already. Well, um, I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior. Um, while I was sitting down there this morning, um, just thinking about uh, this church and uh, our time here with uh, Wardcliffe Baptist Church, it suddenly dawned on me that almost to the day, 26 years ago, we came into this building. Almost to the day. We arrived in the United Sta- uh, from the United States on the 8th of September, 1995. So if anybody wanted to quickly pull up their calendar and have a look, I believe it was uh, Thursday or something like that. So we attended our first Sunday in South Africa at this church. And only God can do that. Just bring us to a place, because we were going to visit churches. We were going to look around, and we never left. And you guys have been faithful and have blessed us, and we rejoice in the relationship that God purposed before the foundations of the world. Thank you, Janet and Elise for, um, Eileen, for being so faithful to us as well uh, in your part of, of ministering uh, to the missionaries. Uh, you've kept us on our toes with prayer letters and prayer requests and everything like that. And this church has been faithful to support us from day one and we praise God and we trust that he will continue to bless you as you purpose in your hearts to fulfill the Great Commission by supporting and sending missionaries into the world. Let us pray. Our great and awesome God, Lord, we bow our hearts before you. We rejoice in your goodness and your wonderful love. Father, for the great sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word, for without it, we would not know who you are and we would not know how to live. And you have guarded your word from the beginning. And we pray, Lord, that as the title of this message is, Hungry for God's Word, Lord, that you would place that hunger within us that we may desire and delight in your word, that we might fulfill what is required of us, and that is to bring glory and honor to your wonderful name. And it's in that name we pray. Amen. Sorry, when I close my eyes and I think of the awesomeness of our God, I seem to tear up. And uh, I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, but... uh, um, God's Spirit works in my heart, and I'm moved by who He is. The problem we have in the church today is the depth of understanding of God's Word. Um, It's amazing that you find people that have uh, apparently walked with the Lord for so many years 
Yet their understanding of the Bible is just so tiny. And I don't know if you here today or if those at home um, may fall into a category where you have not uh, really focused your life, your Christian life, on getting to know what God's word has to say to you. Unfortunately, we have uh, preachers in our pulpits today and they are, are not good exegetes of God's word. They are not expositors of God's word. They do not expound and take God's word and fold it out accurately that the people sitting in the pulpits may grow and understand in the truth of what God's word has to say. It is uh, scary to know that so many people who profess the name of Christ don't truly know and understand the fullness of the God whom they serve. And the only way we can know that is to delve deeply into God's word and not necessarily rely on the man that stands up in the front. We need to test and make sure that those who are preaching and teaching to us do it accurately. Uh, my son-in-law, uh, Gabriel, is pastor of, uh, or associate pastor at Mschlonger Baptist Church. We were just down there saying goodbye to him. And when the riots came and, and Umschlanger was one of those areas where they had a lot of problems, uh, the shops were closed and my son-in-law protected their uh, area by standing guard at intersections and bridges for nights on end. Um, but the shops never opened for approximately two weeks. And of course, our concern being stuck up here was, do you have anything to eat? And Gabriel told me, he says, no, we've got stuff in our pantry. He said, but our community, unfortunately, uh, live by ordering takeaways, fast food, um, either from good restaurants, but that's how they live. And he said, it's incredible how our community that is relatively affluent have no food supply. And it made me think about my message today. You know, we live in a society where we have freedom. We have, uh, some of us, many Bibles in our possession. Uh, we have uh, churches that we can go to and we can attend. Yet the Word of God seems to be something that we do not focus on. We take it for granted that it's right there. And I wonder that what if, and possibly it could come quickly, uh, persecution comes upon the church and it's illegal to own a Bible. It's illegal to attend church. How do those of us who have uh, neglected God's word, how do we survive? How do we 
trust and hope in God whom we do not really know. So we're going to focus, um, and I hope to just expound upon a short passage of Scripture where the Apostle Peter is entreating, he is, he is almost begging the believers in the first letter of his, uh, really to, to the church that has been dispersed throughout the world. And he is wanting to encourage them to commit themselves to the word of God. So if you have your Bible, if you turn to it, we're going to look at 1 Peter starting in chapter 2. And we're just going to really focus on two verses. We will uh, go to the preceding uh, verses and uh, a few following verses. But I want to focus and I want to expound upon just verse 2 and verse 3 in this message. And I will start in verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, in the Greek, the, the, the relationship um, to the newborn babies is, is really implying that this is a newborn baby. It's an infant. It is not a toddler or a child of a couple of years of age. It is a newborn baby. And Peter is likening the Christian to that newborn baby. He is telling the believer that like a newborn baby, we are to act in a certain manner. A newborn baby obviously desires that which the mother can provide when it comes to food. The new believer, and we we know that we are talking about uh, a new believer because, or or a believer in that relationship, is because the passages previous in chapter 1 say in verse 22, you have been born again, not of a seed that is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Verse 25 says, well, verse 24 talks about these things will pass away, the grass and the flowers, they will pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this passage that he's quoting comes from Isaiah 40. And Isaiah 40 is really one of the most incredible transition passages in the Bible because the first 39 have spoken about the problem and the turmoil and the unfaithfulness of the Jewish nation. And then it starts off with comfort, comfort, O my people. The word of the Lord endures forever. And it says, 
And it is this word that was preached to you. If we are born again, we are children of God. And as children, especially when we are new born or newly born believers in Christ, the word of God is what has brought us to this place. Paul in Romans 17, uh, in Romans 10, 17 says this. Um, uh, I've gone blank. Oh, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, to be born again, we hear the message of the gospel. And so the analogy of a newborn baby and the believer is quite profound in this passage. Because we are to long for the pure milk of the word. So as a baby longs for the, the, the pure milk of the mother, so the believer must long in the same way as the baby does for the pure milk of God's word. The word long for is, can be translated crave or uh, have a deep desire for, but this is an imperative. It's a command. It's not a choice. We are told that this is what we must do. We must long for the pure milk of the word. The word pure means uh, it is without deceit. It is unadulterated. And God is using the metaphor here of, of the milk and the word and the newborn baby in an analogy with the new believer. We must be like a newborn baby and we must desire this pure milk. It's quite amazing that uh, if you go and have a look at what mother's milk is comprised of, uh, it's, it is an incredible product. And I thought, you know, if the Lord is using this analogy for us and to a newborn baby, what is so great about this mother's milk? And so I went to where all information is found, Google, and I Googled what is comprised in mother's milk. And it's really quite astounding. It's amazing. And we, I'm going to just go through this quickly. Mother's milk is made of millions of live cells, which include immune-boosting white blood cells, and uh, as well as stem cells that help in organ development and healing. More than a thousand proteins that help the baby grow and develop, activating the immune system and developing and protecting the neurons in the brain. All of mother's, mother's milk protein are made up of amino acids. Over 20 complex sugars, these prevent infection in the bloodstream and lower the risk of blood, brain inflammation. More than 40 enzymes aiding the baby's digestion and immune system. Growth factors that support health and development. These affect many parts of the baby's body, including the intestines, blood vessels, uh, nervous system, their glands, 
and these glands secrete hormones. Mother's milk contains lots of hormones. Some help to regulate the body's appetite and sleep patterns and even aid in the bond between mother and child. Vitamins and minerals, nutrients that support healthy growth um, for organ function and help build the baby's teeth and bones. Antibodies, there are five antibodies uh, there are five forms of antibodies, and all of these are found in mother's milk. They protect the baby against illness and infection and by neutralizing bacteria and viruses. Long-chain fatty acids, these play a pivotal role in building the baby's nervous system. And I found this amazing. It says, remarkably, these ingredients can fluctuate over time, depending on the baby's age and needs. God is amazing. God is amazing. He provides exactly what this baby needs. And Paul relates this to the believer. The believer is required or commanded to crave the pure unsaturated milk of God's word. The thing that enables the child to grow and to become strong is the mother's milk. And the word of God is what grows and makes the believer strong. Of course, he uses a, um, a purpose clause. He says, so that you may grow in respect to salvation we need to desire and hunger and long for this pure milk of God's word in order that we may grow strong. Where it says in respect to salvation, salvation is a, a process. It starts with rebirth, regeneration, um, for just in justification. And then as the Christian grows in his life, sanctification. It's a process that starts in day one and only ends at the time of glorification. In respect, therefore, applies to sanctification and that is spiritual growth. The baby will never develop into being a healthy child or a functioning adult unless it is fed and the initial food that the mother provides through her milk grows that child to a point where the child can start enjoying solid food. And most mothers look forward to that. Isn't it amazing how this tiny little baby with these tiny little lungs can make such an incredible noise and fuss if it does not have what it needs. You can give that or offer that child a hamburger or a pizza or like in my case, a bar one. That baby will not be interested. They want mother's milk. They know what they need and they will not be silenced until they get it. And this is what Peter is telling us 
as believers, we need to hunger for that which will supply our need, which will enable us to grow, to be strong. The writer of Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews 5, chapter 11 through 14, he, he says this to the believers. He, he tells them, he says, listen, you guys have become dull of hearing. You're, you're not quite understanding what's going on. Verse 12 says, for by this time you ought to be teachers. But you again need someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. For you have need of milk and not of solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. He is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. That is a heck of an indictment to tell people, listen, you're not listening. God's word is void in your lives. And we know these these are believers because they are there and they have started on the milk, but they have not progressed. No baby ever drinks mother's milk all the time. But that mother's milk enables them to go to the next step, which is solid food. And most mothers say, oh, thank you, Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for that child to eat something else. New believers never progress beyond the elementary understandings of salvation. They've got their ticket through the door and they are are content. The fact that the writer of Hebrews tells them that they have become dull of hearing is something that we should take note of if we do not desire God's word in our lives. In verse 3, Peter places a condition. He says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So he's saying, he said, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. If you have tasted the goodness of God. So when you have, whenever you see a condition and if there's usually a then, if then, you'll do something. The then can be implied or it can be found in the sentence. And it's not in the sentence and I would suggest that the then can be found in this manner. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, then you should be craving and longing for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow with respect in respect to salvation. Peter here is quoting from Psalm uh, 119, 103. 
How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. It's very interesting that this morning we referred to uh, Psalm 119. Because Psalm 119 is saturated with information regarding to God's word. And we will look at that in a little bit. The relationship uh, relating to tasting milk and God's word here implies that it brings about growth and strength so um, and that they are pleasurable when we hear and see and desire what we need it is pleasurable Peter is focusing on the growth of the church as the newborn baby grows from the mother's milk Peter wants us to grow as part of the church Continuing on in verse 4, he says, uh, And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but a choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Christ. Let me tell you, none of us would want to build a house with bricks that were not strong, that were not uh, properly formed in the foundry. We wouldn't want to just take uh, sand and, and build a house because it is not going to stand. And unfortunately, in the church today, we find such a weakness in Um, theology and doctrine any word that is spoken is is accepted we need the church of God to be strong if we look at Psalm 1 how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinner nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night so what what comes out of all of this effort all of this delight all of this meditation well verse 3 tells us he will be like a tree Firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In whatever he does, he prospers. When we meditate and desire and long for God's word, we grow stronger. We start producing good fruit for the kingdom. Paul, uh, sorry, Peter says uh, in verse 9 that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. And there's that purpose clause again. We are these things because so that you may proclaim the excellencies 
of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The requirement of God's word enables us. It builds us up. It gives us confidence in the God whom we serve. It enables us to profess, to proclaim how excellent he is. The necessity of God's word is emphasized many times in scripture. I want to share just a few of those just to remind us that the reason uh, Peter is using this analogy of of newborn babes is that we too might have that desire, that delight, and that drive for God's word. Firstly, God commands it. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says this, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. My friends, verse 7 really says it all. Basically, it's saying that all the time, You need to have these things that God is commanding in his word fixed in our mind. The word diligent, he says, you will uh, teach them diligently. Diligent is being hard working. Immediately makes me think of 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved by God, not by man. Approved by God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. That is an indictment if we are not doing that in our lives. Back to Deuteronomy 6. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as a frontal on your forehead. You will write them on your doorposts and of your house and on your gate. And you know, Israel, who were uh, redeemed out of Egypt, got all of this information, and yet they failed to fulfill it, and they did not prosper as a nation. When Joshua replaced Moses as leader of the Jewish nation to lead them into the promised land, God instructs Joshua in Joshua 1, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all of the law which Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from it, not to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Notice uh, Psalm 1 And uh, Deuteronomy 6, there's a promise 
of success. I mean, uh, Joshua 1. It brings about obedience. God's word brings about obedience. And Ezra the scribe is a great example of that. Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra set in his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Notice that Ezra purposed in his heart. He set his mind on doing something, and that was to study God's word. Not only did he study it, but he put it into practice. And not only does he put it into practice, but he teaches it to others. We see that God's commands, uh, we see that in God's word we are commanded to know his word and we see that his word brings obedient, obedience. Thirdly, we see that it is necessary for salvation. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross prays this in John 17, 17. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is saying that we need to hear the truth as believers because it is the truth of God's word that sanctifies us. In closing, we've seen the importance of the mother's milk to the baby. So let us have a glance at Psalm 119 because this gives us a wonderful insight to the importance of God's word. Why should we value the word of God? The word of God referred, in, referred to in the psalm as the word, law, saying, statue, ways, commandments, path, testimonies, precepts, and judgment. And at a mere glance of these words, we can just realize that they are not sufficient enough to convey the, the preciousness of God's word. Because we need to understand this. It is God himself who is speaking. It is God's law that is given for our lives. It is God testifying about himself. It is God who is providing guidance for our walk in this life. The psalmist provides various pictures. God's, God's word is like water, a treasure, a companion, a counselor, a song, honey, light, and a heritage. What does God's word do for us? It brings happiness. It produces cleansing. It gives liberty. It provides direction. It produces understanding. And it protects one and keeps them from stumbling. We show the value of God's word by studying it, obeying it, storing it, declaring it, and rejoicing over it. And so I pose this question to all of us. Is God's word important in your life? Do you desire to read it and to know it? Are you growing in the Lord or have you stagnated? Do you care where you are as a Christian or are you just content?
where you are. You know, Paul's most challenging church was the church of Corinth. And he challenges them in his second letter and in the last chapter. So 2 Corinthians 13.5, he says this. Test yourself and see whether you be found in the faith. Examine yourself. Or do you not recognize this about you? That Jesus Christ lives in you. Unless... Of course, you fail the test. This is a strong indictment, a powerful challenge, and it's for each and every one of us. We need to guard ourselves against complacency and stagnation. Gina said to me in my preparation, how does someone move from this point of not reading God's word, not desiring God's word, not delighting in God's word. And the answer, I think, can be found in the scribe Ezra. Ezra purposed in his heart. He set his heart, his mind, his, his life on studying God's word. And we need to do that. We need to purpose in our heart that we want to move from stagnation to a place where we know and study God's word and that we accurately handle it, that we are not ashamed before God. It's not easy. I think that all of us have, have experienced this sometime in our lives where God's word sits on the counter and we do not read it and we do not study it. But we need to pray and ask God to give us a desire and a delight for God's word. And then we purpose in our heart that we're going to read it. We're going to read some of it and, and hopefully we're going to desire to read all of it. Many Christians have not even read a single book of the Bible. The book of John or, or Romans, let alone the entire Bible. So the challenge is before us. In a time where the world is falling apart around us, there's insecurity. We are unsure of what tomorrow holds. It can be found in God's word where we find comfort, guidance, strength, encouragement. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Father, Lord, we thank you again for your wonderful word. Our is called the word for he is true and he is sincere and he is able to do everything that we need for life and godliness, as does your word. And we learn about you and we grow in you. Give us a heart, I pray, oh my God, that we might commit ourselves to you and to your word. And we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, 
our Lord and Savior. Amen.